You're listening to Give Me the Bible with Len. Today's program is entitled Transparency. Hello, my radio friends. I'm very glad you've joined me today to hear more from the Word of God, the Bible. But I must warn you at the outset that this program, uh, there's some information in it that I'll share which will be quite different than you would expect. And I also want to say that this information is not something I have dreamed up. It has other sources. I'm simply reporting to you what is happening and applying what the Bible has to say about it. No doubt many of us were surprised recently that Cardinal George Pell of the Roman Catholic Church was tried and found guilty in a civil court of having raped choir boys in his parish. Pell was sentenced to imprisonment. Pell, in the lead-up to the trial, attempted to cover up his crimes and lied until the very last, disclaiming his guilt. Pell was supposedly a man of God, but as a person in a position of trust, he should have been a protector rather than a predator of children. He was a man who, as a priest, would have had intimate information about many people's lives through the confession box. Priests, as far as I know, may not divulge personal information even to a court of law. With such a responsibility, Pell failed in his moral responsibilities to those under his care. But the issue goes even deeper than that. Pell, as part of the Vatican's power group, the inner circle of government, he was the secretary, or he was the secretariat for the economy, and was one of the three cardinals of the Council of Cardinal Advisers. This council of three cardinals holds the real power within the Vatican. Social media has recently lit up with other revelations about some of the goings-on in the Vatican. It appears that for some, Pope Francis has been a little too liberal in his promises to reveal closely guarded secrets that the Vatican wishes to keep hidden. Apparently, one of these promises was to open the archives to reveal the Catholic Church's role in World War II and its relationship with Hitler. Social media has reported that Pope Francis has been told in no uncertain terms to shut up. Social media reports have even claimed that Pope Francis is now merely a figurehead, a puppet of the Church. Check it out for yourself. You could start by viewing a YouTube presentation entitled Pope Francis Defrocked. Now, I realise that you can't believe everything posted on social media sites, but it appears that the sources are reliable and that the information is authentic. 
and I'm sure that many devout Catholics will probably be astounded and at the same time disappointed that high officials within the Roman Church are involved in such scandals. According to some of these social media sites, Pope Francis himself, fondly referred to as the People's Pope, is reported as formerly having a long-term sexual relationship with a high-profile European woman who is Argentinian by birth as he is. Social media reports claim that Pope Francis and this woman had a child together. To the members of the Catholic Church, such information would naturally provoke great cause for concern because of the need for one's leader to be a good example to those under his care. If you can't trust your leader, who can you trust? And I don't know how faithful Catholics apply the infallibility of the Pope belief, given such information about their leader. But it's not only social media revealing widespread corruption that exists within the Roman Church. Articles have appeared in more well-established sources, such as the New York Times and the Independent Press. Reported in the Independent News on February 6, 2019, is this article. It says, Pope Francis has for the first time admitted the Catholic Church has an ongoing problem with priests and even bishops who sexually abuse nuns, saying that more must be done to prevent it. Speaking to reporters aboard the papal plane as he returned to the Vatican after a visit to the United Arab Emirates, he said some of the nuns had been used as sex slaves. It is true. There have been priests, and these are his words, and even bishops who have done this. I think it's still going on because something does not stop just because you've become aware of it, he said, according to the Associated Press. We have been working on this for a long time. We have suspended some priests because of this. The Pope made the comments in response to questions about an article that appeared last week in a Vatican monthly magazine about the abuse of nuns in the church. Another article, this one from the ABC News in Australia, dated 18th of February 2019, included the following. It said, In Australia, reports suggest the number of Catholic women abused by priests vastly outnumber the survivors of child sexual abuse uncovered by the Royal Commission into this issue. These women and men often came from strict religious families and had little experience of the world or sexual matters. As this group finds its voice and begins to speak out, the leadership of the Church will face another crisis of legitimacy and a round of public inquiries. And the report goes on to say, It is clear the sexual abuse of women 
children and vulnerable adults has been normalised in Catholic clerical culture. Abuse is exercised at every level of ministry, from parish priests to the most senior clerics. Perpetrators are protected and victims silenced. This is aided by a culture of clerical entitlement and opportunity. The Child Sex Abuse Royal Commission's final report provided ample evidence of this. It states, Few survivors of child sexual abuse that occurred before the 1990s described receiving any formal response from the relevant Catholic Church authority when they reported the abuse. Instead, they were often disbelieved, ignored or punished, and in some cases were further abused. As far as possible, the Roman Church has made every attempt to silence such news from leaking out and becoming public. This information is quite alarming. There's even worse, but I will not share that with you today. Are you aware that the Bible has given some information about the activities of this large religious organisation? Revelation chapter 14, Daniel chapter 7 and Revelation chapter 17 are places where we can learn about this organisation's power and activities. In Revelation 17 verses 1 to 6, the prophet John was given a vision of what many Bible scholars identify as the Church of Rome. And this is what the Bible says, One of the seven angels who had the seven bowls came and said to me, Come, I will show you the punishment of the great prostitute who sits on many waters. With her the kings of earth committed adultery, and the inhabitants of the earth were intoxicated with the wine of her adulteries. Then the angel carried me away in the spirit to a desert. There I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast that was covered with blasphemous names and had seven heads and ten horns. The woman was dressed in purple and scarlet, and was glittering with gold, precious stones and pearls. She held a golden cup in her hand, filled with abominable things and filth of her adulteries. This title was written on her forehead, Mystery, Babylon the Great, the mother of prostitutes and of the abominations of the earth. I saw that the woman was drunk with the blood of the saints, the blood of those who bore testimony to Jesus. As recorded in Revelation 17:6, John said he was greatly astonished at this vision. In today's vernacular, we would say that he was gobsmacked. But the angel then announced, Why are you astonished? I'll explain to you the mystery of the woman and of the ten horns. Then, 
In plain language, he revealed to John what those symbols given in the vision meant. Verse 8 says, The beast which you saw once was, now is not, and will come up out of the abyss and go to his destruction. It appears that this particular power influences governments and nations, that the harlot woman, as various people have described the Roman church, uses to persecute God's true people. If we turn over to Revelation chapter 20, another reference is made to a beast, this one being the dragon, Satan. Verse says, And I saw an angel coming down out of heaven, having the keys to the abyss, and holding in his hand a great chain. He seized the dragon, that ancient serpent, who is the devil or Satan, and bound him a thousand years, and he threw him into the abyss. As you read on, you will see that this creature was locked up for a thousand years, then was released from his imprisonment. So this beast that the woman sat upon is most likely to be a conglomeration of political powers that do Rome's bidding, especially including that country once founded on the principles of religious freedom, USA. It is well known that in prophecy, a woman refers to a religious organisation, a church. A pure woman, as revealed in Revelation 12, refers to a pure church, one where the commandments of God are kept, and one where people believe and accept the sacrifice of Christ to save them from their sins. In other words, a pure woman refers to a Bible-based church. We're going to stop here, and we'll go on straight afterwards. Wings 
Just before the break, I was saying how that in Bible prophecy, a pure woman refers to a pure church. And the opposite is true. An impure woman refers to an impure church. The scarlet and purple-clad woman described in the vision, decorated with expensive jewellery, is a prostitute. This refers to a church that is impure, a church organisation that promotes and practices false worship and only has self-interest at heart. Verse 6 talks about this religious organisation being drunk on the blood of the saints, who, those who bore the testimony to Jesus. Who or what is the religious organisation that has been responsible for the deaths of many of God's faithful people? History attests that the Roman Church was responsible for the deaths of millions of faithful Christians, especially during the Dark and Middle Ages, from approximately 300 AD right through to the end of the 18th century. In another sense, the Roman Church has prostituted itself, accepting and teaching paganism and dressing it up in religious symbolism. Many people in other church organisations have been influenced by these false beliefs and have been deceived. They are considered as daughters, also prostitutes, of the great prostitute. Hence the name written on her forehead, the mother of prostitutes. One of the names written on the woman's forehead was the mother of the abominations of the earth. It is very interesting that currently Protestants are being invited to become Roman Catholics with this slogan, Come home to Rome. Come home to the Mother Church. Widespread vices including illicit sexual relations, money laundering, corruption of the priesthood even at the deepest level within the Vatican, accepting that the Church's traditions known as the Majestica hold more authority than the Bible, child sacrifice, secret society activities, and boasting that it is the only means by which one may gain eternal life, all these are abominations to God. It's no wonder that the young priest Martin Luther, on his visit to Rome in 1510, was utterly disgusted at what he observed. The priesthood was corrupt then, and according to various reports, it is no better today. I'd like to suggest that generally the leadership of the Roman Church is secretive and anti-Christian. Like what happened with Cardinal Pell, the Church is not transparent. In the book of James, chapter 1, verse 27, is a definition that seems to have escaped the attention of the Vatican. 
It is pure religion, an undefiled religion before God and the Father is this, to visit the orphans and widows in their trouble and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. Two things must be highlighted from this statement. The first is that religion that is acceptable to God is to be pure. That means that it is to be based on God's word and will not be based on man-made doctrines. It must be a religion of obedience to God's expressed wishes and must include worship of our Creator, Redeemer. The theory and practice must be compatible. The saying and doing are to be on the same level. The talk and the walk must be in agreement. In the book of Revelation, there are a number of references about the saints, those who are God's faithful people. These are described as wearing white robes, which means the pure righteousness of Christ. When a religion is steeped in secrecy, with connections to secret societies, running businesses and businesses and operations that are illegal and not open to public scrutiny, teaching doctrines that are not Bible-based, and condoning practices that are condemned by God's word, that's not a pure religion. I suggest to you that such a religion has Satan as its leader, not Christ. The other thing that needs to be highlighted is that people who take on the name of Christ, Christians in other words, are admonished to keep themselves unspotted from the world. They are to live lives of obedience and righteousness. It's obvious that worldly people, that is, those who are not interested in following Christ, generally are motivated by selfishness and self-interest. That's why crime is so rampant in our times. That's why people disregard the rights of others and do what's pleasing for themselves. So why is self-interest and questionable practices such a large part of the Roman church if it's supposed to be a transparent Christian organisation? The projected image and actual practices are at odds. Why, for example, has the Roman Church meddled with, among other things, God's Ten Commandments? In answer to the Jewish lawyer's question about which was the greatest commandment, Jesus replied, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbour as yourself. Yes, but some might say, haven't the Ten Commandments been done away with? No way. John chapter 5 verses 2 and 3 plainly states, By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. Why would God remove his moral standards for humanity 
at the cross. That makes no sense, because the moral standards must remain for all time, otherwise there can be no sin. The Apostle Paul wrote in support of what John wrote in 1 Corinthians 7.19, where he says circumcision is nothing and uncircumcision is nothing, but keeping the commandments of God is what matters. It is a fallacy that the Ten Commandments have been abolished, because without them there can be no sin and no means of identifying sinful behaviour. To me, it doesn't add up when people say that Christ died to forgive their sins if there's no identifier of sin. The Ten Commandments are just as valid today as they ever have been. Now, some people have tried to abolish the commandments, but as I've been saying, the Roman Church has tried to change the commandments. Finally today, I want to share with you a positive admonition from from Philippians 4 verse 8. It says, Finally, brothers, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, and whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue, and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. The religion of God requires us to be obedient, pure, true, and transparent. If those elements are missing, as was pointed out earlier, it is a religion based on deception and the master of deception, with Satan himself as its CEO. And it's my hope that you, my friends, will seek out righteousness and what is pure and what is transparent and what is pleasing to God. Until next time then, I wish you much peace and hope and joy as you endeavour to live by God's standards of love. <laughs> 